welcome back to Shooting the Breeze with Clement with another episode of Men, Hardship and Triumph, a podcast series that is to be a resource for men who are finding this complex world overwhelming to navigate. Men, Hardship and Triumph is a series of one-on-one chat with men who have gone through life and have experienced some of the difficulties that life can throw at them and was able to navigate to where they are today, contented, change for the better and much wiser to the world. While shooting the breeze with these men, I'm hoping that they would also talk about difficult periods in their lives and what strategies they use to survive those periods and what lesson they learned from it. For my fourth episode today, I have another good friend of mine, Mr. Rafael Sanchez, the founder and director of Go Dance, which is a thriving Latin dance school in Sydney. I've known Ref for over 10 years now, from the time when I was involved in the Latin dance scene. We kind of lost touch when I drifted out of the scene, but through a very opportune coincidence, I met Ref again about four years ago when I expressed to him that I missed the teaching aspect of dance the most. He graciously offered me to teach a few classes one night a week at his school, which I really, really enjoyed and appreciated. Unfortunately, with COVID, that all has come to a halt. We have become closer since, and we always shoot the breeze about life, relationships, and fatherhood when we talk to each other. When I realized that I wanted to do this series of interviews, I knew that I had to interview Rev as he has gone through a lot of life for someone so young and always has good insights in our long discussions, which I would like him to share with our listeners today. So without further ado, Rev, how are you? Good, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on your show. My pleasure, my pleasure, man. This is going to be just like how we always do it, but without the alcohol and recorded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, 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 same. I had to listen to your, your intro before. It's very good. I love what you do with this podcast. So congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. You know, I forgot on my intro, actually, that we went through a difficult period together, and that's how we became closer before we lost touch again. You know, and we mm. went through the same parenting class in the middle of whoop whoop somewhere. <laughs> we got that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. That was quite funny. And then I might as well share with the audience how we met the second time. I had a terrible, terrible Tinder date. I ended up looking for an escape, and lo and behold, you were there. You know, uh, with a light shining above your head. <laughs> <laughs> I like I. I like how you uh, in the intro said that I, I graciously asked you to come back to to, to teach at Gurdance and really it was more like twisting your arm and I had a contract ready for you to sign on the spot. <laughs> uh, that was really funny that when I told you I really miss teaching and you said, uh, can you start Tuesday? <laughs> and I said, which Tuesday? You said, this coming Tuesday. <laughs> I gotta be honest yeah. with you, Mike. There was I really needed that at that time. I really was not socially focused, even though you know I, t- I talked to my clients about having to have a balanced routine and things like that. And mm. it was so lovely. It was lovely that you gave me the opportunity to teach you because for me that was part of my socialization. You mm. know, so th- thank you for that. My pleasure, my pleasure. And you know, it's it's always amazing to have you teaching at the school because you are definitely one of the standout instructors of the school and I uh, <laughs> always get a lot of a lot of feed good feedback about you and all the corny yeah, jokes and, and dead jokes that I, that I <laughs> well just the clement way you know just, just looking after everyone giving everyone a good time but at the same time dishing out the medicine as you as you do so well <laughs> Tell me, tell me a bit more about yourself, man. Where, where, did, where did you grow up? Where were you uh, born? So I was born in here in Sydney, Camperdown Children's Hospital. Grew up in Petersham, that's the inner west Sydney, South American background, 39 years old now. Uh, and as you say, I, I have a dance school, a dance school that I'm very fortunate enough to head both here in Sydney and in Newcastle. I never I knew that I was going to get I'm into... Interrupt a little bit there, because your school is, is more yeah. than just a school. To me, mm. it is a community, you know, and I'm always, yeah. big, I'm always big on building communities. And so when I go there and when I talk to the people, the students and the teachers, it's just lovely, you know, people from all walks of life getting together through their uh, passion for dance and they create long lasting friendships, you know? So yeah, uh, that well, was wonderful, that. Thank you. Well, what I was going to say was uh, I didn't 
I didn't always know that I was going to run a dance school. It's, it's, I certainly had no plans um, as to what I would do when I was growing up. Yeah. But, you know, the way you describe go dance is exactly what it is. Obviously, you know, but the listeners don't. But uh, I ran away from home when I was 15. So it was a big adventure since leaving home at 15. And yeah, I didn't know what I was going to end up doing. But one of the things that I was lucky enough to stumble upon was dance and was salsa. And during the most chaotic times in my life, the most unstable times in my life, as a young man, going to my dance class, going to my dance practice was the only stability or form of stability and consistency that I had in my life. It was the the one place that I felt safe, I was welcomed, I was good at it. And, you know, for an hour or two, all the, the worries of my life would disappear. And it also, you know, being a young man, my social circle wasn't the best. But, you know, through dance, because it is something that people from all walks of life do, you know, I had the opportunity to meet, meet people that were older than me and had, had, came, had different experiences, better experiences and better quality of life. So it was really a, a motivational uh, environment. It was a very safe environment, welcoming environment. And when it was my turn uh, many, many years later, to have the opportunity to become a general manager of a Latin dance school in Sydney. And during my job interview for the role, that's exactly what I said when they said to me, what do you think you'll bring to, to this school, you know, if you were given the, the role? And I replied by asking them a question. I said, you know, well, what is it that we sell here? And they <laughs> said, the, the interviewer said, well, we, we teach Latin dance class. I said, no, that's not correct. So try again. And they said, well, we teach salsa dance classes for adults. And I said, no, that's not. I said, <laughs> I said no, that's, that's, not, that's not what's happening in this place. I said, this is the one place where it doesn't matter where you come from, what age, what walk of life, how much you have or how much you don't have in your bank, how successful, how much of a failure you've been in your life, how many things you've got wrong. This is the one place where you walk in, people know your name, they're happy to see you. And for one hour, for one hour, this is this is where you can succeed. This is where you can have a di- completely different experience to everything else that's going on in your life. And the interviewer looked at me and said, you're the one. You're, you're the one. And because and I, really, I, re- I really just described what, what the Dalsa classes were for me. And my experience since has been from my students. But that's what they're there for, you know. They think they're initially there for to learn salsa, and then they stay for the community, they stay for the friendships, they stay for the support, you know. So, so basically, the the, the first lesson to to the uh, listeners out there is: if you're being interviewed for a job, ask them hard questions as opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> isn't isn't that a real? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a real technique that people use. Isn't it? I'm not sure, but uh, that's what I did. I, yeah. I asked them a question, then told them they were wrong. <laughs> you know what? We we actually uh, got a, a first strategy of, of life already from you there when you said, I may have come from a not so good environment, but when I go to a dance class, I'm surrounded by all these other people from other environments. And you said could be older people, could be different walks of life, but I end up learning about different ways of living which mm. may show me how I can live better than the way I'm living. Abs- Would that be right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's not a it's not a place where people go to actively talk about their problems or what they're doing in life or anything. Just you, when you watch and observe people and just through just normal conversations, you see the quality, the way they're leading their life, the things they're doing, the things that the activities they fill their time with. It was like holding up a, a mirror for me as a young man because, you know, to me at that time, a lot of it was just trying to deal with my pain, the pain and the turmoil I was experiencing in the practical side of my life as well as the emotional side of my life. The, you know, the way I dealt with that was drugs and alcohol. Mm. And so how, the, how old were you now Like at, at this point? At this point, I'm probably uh, so I entered the world of dancing at about 18, and so uh, only, you you were very young then. It was it was only three years after you uh, you left the house. 
three years is a long time between being a 15-year-old to an 18-year-old and you're living on your own yes. and you've moved out of home, no parental guidance. The, the world opens up. and So, yeah, three years is, is a long time. And within that time, there'd already been a, a lifetime world worth of experiences yes. uh, between then and turning 18. But yeah, as I was saying, you know, people, you know, when you're at the dance class, my only priority was paying the rent and, and dealing with my pain. Yeah. Um, but suddenly, you know, when I was at a salsa nightclub, everyone was packing up and going home at 11 and at midnight, you know, mm. and midnight was the latest anyone would stay out. And, and, I, and I was ready to go to two, three in the morning, four in the morning. And right. everyone was going home. And I said, oh, where, where are you going? <laughs> You know, we've got work tomorrow, or we've got uni tomorrow, or we've yes. got X or these responsibilities tomorrow, or I've got to get up because I, I hit the gym at five in the morning. And, and suddenly people are holding up this mirror and say, oh, there's, there's other ways to live. There's, there's uh, better ways to do things. And so, right. so for a young, there's structure, there's discipline. Hmm, yeah, and for a young man that, that was out of home, he was a good guide. Yeah, yeah. That's also why when I see teachers thinking that they're above the students, and I've seen this very, very often in my vast experience of teaching, and I need to remind, I constantly have the need to remind them that, mate, you, you think that you are all that, but all these people, all these students, some of them are you know teachers themselves some of them are lawyers are doctors you know mm. these are people from all walks of life mm. you know, they, some of them are judges everybody can learn from it's just that they happen to come here to learn something that you have that they don't have it mm. doesn't make you superior from them you know and that's something that mm. we we all as teachers i believe anyways we have to humble ourselves because otherwise we you know we get a little bit ego flame you know with all mm. the, you know. yeah well i think that's been one of the things that comes back from from our students at godance is that is the welcoming environment the the you know there's no attitude people are not walking around with their nose held up high and and i think that comes it comes from the teachers the staff that i'm lucky enough to have but i think at the end of the day it has to come from the top. And my approach, and I believe what my instructors and my staff observe, is that just like in my first interview for that role that I was speaking about earlier, I'm there in service of the community. I, I know I'm providing that amazing space that I was fortunate enough to experience and really saved my life. And it still is in my life now. And as I said, it's, it's my career now. It's something I thoroughly enjoy and just keeps giving back in so many ways. But I'm always aware that that everyone that, that comes through our doors at Gerdens is, is just another young Raphael. You know, we're all we're all people from all different walks of life. You don't know yes. what people are going through. Yes. Um, regardless of how successful they may be, you know, in other parts of their life. Everyone's got something. And so and that's them, really what the school's about. Yeah. Yeah. And for them to, you know, as adults to come and try to learn something new and be vulnerable in front of all the other adults. Mm. That's hard. I feel yeah. like, and I remember this very distinctly, I, and I almost considered my failure. There was one day I was, and I still remember this, it would have been about four years or something ago. I was teaching and this couple came and it was so obvious that the woman was the one who dragged her partner to come. Mm. And he tried and he tried and he tried and he was so nervous. He was so nervous and he left the class in the middle of the class and just walked out. And I feel so sorry for him, you know? Yeah. But the fact that he would, he did it, it was, it was brave of him. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lady stayed for till the end of the class, but I don't think she came back the following week. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's rare, but it, it does occasionally happen. But then, you know, you have the other flip side of that where you, you get some men that are apprehensive to come to class and then, and then they're the ones dragging their, their wife out <laughs> or their partner out more than once a week to get to dance class. So, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's right. And then what else is it? You were saying that you were using alcohol and what have you. Hmm. What was that? period like around around that time when you were 18 what was the which is what was, was it hopelessness what was 
It was a lot. It was a combination of a lot of things. It's probably the, the time between 18 to 26. Mm. And a, a lot of it had to do with just the, I mean, I was angry. I think that's the biggest thing. I was angry. I'd grown up in a less than a stable home. There was a lot of domestic violence when I was growing up. Mm. We were not a well-off family. And it was just a very unstable, very unsafe place to, to start life. And although I didn't know it at the time when I moved out, I, I probably was terrified of life and the world and, and just hopeless about the whole the whole thing. So from from what I'd seen as a child, uh, life is a struggle. Life will always be a struggle and it's yeah. full of chaos and drama. And, and that's all I really expected from life. Yeah. And then on top of that was the fact that I, you know, I, as I said, I probably was scared and being 15 and, and just, uh, I think, angry at the, the fact that I had a, a, a rough start. And, and yeah. unfortunately, at that, at, at that time in my life, was like the I felt like the world owed me something, you know. Like I, yeah. I didn't get a good start. I didn't get to go to uni. I didn't get to complete my education. I didn't grow up in a, a household where yeah. that was uh, supported, and yeah. uh, or I was given that opportunity. So it was all of that. It was feeling sorry for myself and being terrified all at the same time. Yeah, and and this is where I am annoyed with some people ref i keep saying this it's easy to make babies you know it's fun to make babies to be a parent you really must learn control and self-sacrifice because you could do some serious long-term damage to the kids if you don't try to do your best to raise them and sometimes it has to be done over your own self-interest i don't i don't think there's there's any other way to raise children. Um, And I see so many people who are broken through my door. A lot of it is is because of of what, you know, like what you're saying, parents who are just incapable or worse, unwilling to do what is right for the kids. You know, and and like what you're saying, you had to leave the house when you were 15, sounding to me like a lot of trauma there you know, from observing domestic violence, you know, and what does that do to you, you know, and, and like what you're saying, you became angry, you became, you were not ready for the world, you know, you, you, you didn't have that supporting role, that nurturing role that people, other kids may have, where if, mm. if they were to have fallen, somebody would pick them up and said, you know, that, that's all right, son, you know, you did this, you should have done that. Then then what, how hard does that make your, your life? You know, it would have been very difficult for you to, to get a start, right? Well, yeah, you know, the, the thing is, you know, when, when, when that happens, when you haven't been equipped with the right tools, let's say, or the, the right, yeah, the right tools, the right strategies to cope with life and the things that, that are going to come come at you in life, mm-hmm. then you kind of, in my, in my situation, I was left to make it up on, my, on, on the fly and left to make yeah. it up yeah. as I yeah. went. And yeah. this is, you know, like at the time I was 15 and, and I didn't feel like I was a child, but looking back, you know, I was a child. I look at 15-year-olds now and I think, man, <laughs> like you would not have made it. <laughs> you would not have made it. If you yeah. left home with a backpack and $20 right now, you would not make it. Um, okay. So, you know, you're left to make it up on your own. And now suddenly, you know, the unfortunate thing is that life is now parenting you. And, you know, you take a stab at doing the best you can yeah. And you, you're obviously making poor choices. You know, at that time, a lot of my choices were based on, on emotions and based on dealing with those emotions. and, and, yeah. and Making yourself feel better. Correct, correct. Yeah. And yeah. just surviving, just getting by. And so eventually has to lead to chaos, you know. And for me, yeah. that meant problems with the police, that meant financial problems, that meant all sorts of... Yeah all sorts of health problems, all sorts of things. Yeah. And, and so terrible, now, well, now you, you don't know what, what to do. So everything just keeps almost like crisis after crisis after crisis, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because that's what you grew up watching with wow. all these crises. And now you're just getting bombarded left, right, and center. You can't go left. You can't go right. Everything you do seems to go wrong. And, you know, you just feel like the whole world's against you and that... um. 
but at the same time, it feels normal because you're like, well, this is this is what I expected. This is what yeah, life is like. This is what, you know? what's normal. Yep, yep. Right, and then and that leads to hopelessness because you think, well, what's the point? Why yes. why are we here if we're just here to suffer and for everything to go wrong? Is it's almost you know I grew up with a religious background, a Christian background, and so. I would quite often yell at the sky and yell at God and say, like, why? Why why drop us off here just to go through this? Like, what's the point? What is yeah. this all about? And it made no sense to me. Not knowing, obviously, that as I like to tell people, that my navigation system was not complete, was broken. You know, imagine <laughs> having a, a navigation system in your car yeah. and you trust it with all your heart and soul. And, and that's that's your mind and that's your your heart you say well you know i'm going to trust my mind i'm going to trust my heart and and you trust your navigation system and it is taking you everywhere but where you want to go and you just and you can't work out yeah why other people are moving forward and why you're you're stuck or even worse going backwards and it's because all the, eh? we would have been frustrating those, wouldn't it? of course of course and that's where the the alcohol comes in and that's where people turn to things like alcohol and drugs mm-hmm. and and I think I've said this too before. Jordan Peterson speaks of, of how difficult life is for everyone in all different ways. And yeah. and when he speaks about drugs, uh, druggies and alcoholics, I like how he says it's not a, it's not a surprise that you know, the surprise isn't that that people turn to become alcoholics or druggies. The surprise is that that we're not all druggies and alcoholics because yes. of how I, tough you can get. <laughs> Yeah. I actually saw that interview. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense because yeah. that can be so hardcore sometimes, right? You know, yeah. I'm surprised um, at some some aspects of it, how, how I survive, how, you know, me and you discuss this, right? <laughs> but for our yeah. listeners out there, I guess, when it does get that bleak, you got to remember, just get through it one day at a time and uh, you, you will suddenly come to a place where it's not so bad anymore. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree with that, Rev? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, I think it's finding out and identifying the things that you can control is extremely important. You know, the things that are available to you. So, for example, you know, when I was a young man, I was I was feeling terrible and hopeless, thinking, well, I don't, I don't have a lot of money here. I, I've got to go to work full time in order to just to cover my rent and food. And I, I haven't got an education. But and so I turned to, you know, as I said, drugs and alcohol when there were other options. You know, the one thing I'm a big believer in is books right. and, and, and exercise. And they seem like simple things on their own. But, but when you're that hopeless and you're in that much despair, yeah. keeping yourself busy, yeah. keeping your mind occupied with things that are going to propel you forward, yeah. as doesn't matter how small those things are. Yeah. That is your life raft. That is your emergency button. Instead of wasting away whatever money you've got left on alcohol and your health and your time, yeah. you know, scheduling in a couple of good books, learning a new skill, talking to that one friend, you know, setting some exercise goals. They're all the things that I would go back and tell that young man yeah. to, to occupy his time with. But as I said, you know, no, no one was there and I didn't have the experience or insight to do that. So, But to your credit, you sense that these are the things that you need to do. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. It's not like I was, I don't think anyone really sets out to, well, I don't know. In my, in my case, I, you know, it's not like I wanted to remain yeah, where you were. In, that, in that space. I always, <laughs> even, even when I, you know, when I refer to drugs, I, I'm referring to, to marijuana. You know, I would have long periods of time where marijuana was how I spent a lot of my time, you know, from morning to night. And it was, and then other times it was alcohol. And because I worked, and it wasn't like I was bumming around, because I worked, but wasn't making, just making enough to make ends meet, you know, it would be alcohol getting plastered at night, you know. And, yeah. and you know, even whilst I was doing those things, I always knew this is just for now. This is just for now. And it was almost like uh, if I can just dampen or put a put some cold water on on this raging, out-of-control bushfire of emotional pain, yeah. if I could just keep it under control, keep it at bay long enough to work, yeah. long enough to save, long yeah. enough to, to get myself into 
to school, long enough to get a job, long enough to, long enough to, you know, yeah. it was using the drugs and alcohol was almost, it was a strategy, you know, and that's how bad, I don't think people realize that's how bad anxiety and depression yes. can, yes, can yes. get, you know, yes. it was my way of fighting yeah. for my life, you know, yes. I was not kicking back, drinking, having a mm. good time. And it was, this is what I've got to do for now. Yeah. Can I turn it around a little bit there by, by mm. saying maybe the fact that you have a focus on the future while you're going through all that is also part of the strategy. Because yeah. a lot of people that has come to see me, especially when, they, when they're very depressed, is that there, there is no future for them. They, they don't see it. You know, yeah. whereas you, what you're saying is, I'm going to use this this alcohol and weed because I need to be able to perform when I'm very anxious. But, but yeah. because I have an aim to perform for, well, it could be for many years from now, you know, when I have safe enough or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, that you're right. It was, it was the hope and the vision of a, yes. of a better future that kept me going. But it's definitely not what I recommend anyone do. I'm just saying that as a young, young, young man that had just, you know, ran away from home, that's all I had in my toolbox, you know. And you know what? I get clients, some of them are anti, anti-medication and they always say, Clement, what's your view on medication? And mm. I said to them, it's got its place. Sometimes when you are so low, when you are so low that you can't do psychotherapy well because you just, just you're just not at the space to do it, you really need medication to help you to get to the level where, where you can accept uh, psychotherapy. So I believe yep. there is place for, for medication. I don't, I don't like it for long-term management, but, mm. but also I have seen it when people are so low that without medication, it's just not going to the psychotherapy, just a waste of their time and money. You know, you just decided that your medication was Jim Bean and Coke, you know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But no, it, it, you know, it's definitely a much healthier uh, option to, to Jim Bean and Coke. <laughs> yeah, have, but, you know. have, you, have you seen some of the side effects of the psychotropic medications, man? Uh, a lot of people, the main issue for not wanting to be on medication is the terrible side effects, actually. There's, uh, some of them is they, they ended up shaking a lot, they, they, they ended up drooling loss of sexual interest, become overweight, you know? Yeah. So a lot of people are like, man, if that's a side effect, maybe maybe I would rather stay. <laughs> On the gym, oh. green and cake. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think all jokes aside, it's probably something that probably better, well, it's definitely, I think it'd be definitely better to, to work with a doctor and find a medication that suits you than, yeah. than the alternative of alcohol, because that's that's such a slippery slope, you know. Like, yes. uh, you know, I, I throw we can't go on forever on this on your uh, on your show, but I, you know, I throw around. You, you can say you can talk. Alcohol. This is shooting the breeze, man. You can do. You can, say, you, can, you, can you can talk. <laughs> well, what, what I'm saying is like, you know, we should we throw out we throw out the words, you know, drugs and alcohol. I throw out the word, you know, oh, there's a time where I had drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And you, you know, you think, oh, yeah, drugs and alcohol, we're all kind of, we've all kind of been there. But there's different grades to that. You know, there's drugs and alcohol that, that ends up seeing you in a jail cell. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I, and I've been there. I, I know what that's like. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's, there's the drugs and alcohol that sees you getting in a courtroom. You know, yeah. there's drugs and alcohol that sees you waking up in a gutter with blood all over yourself, not knowing what happened the night before. Yeah. So, you know, if I'd have had the alternative of medication and a few shakes and putting on some weight, yeah. I think that's a much better route than That's a than alcohol. That you will take, yeah? Yeah, because drugs and alcohol, it, it's, it's just, it opens the doors to so many other problems and it just compounds your problems you know it's what i did at the time it's the best i knew but it's it, a good it, it point there. To some dark places you know yeah and that, that's a good point there for for the listeners out there sometimes you you feel guilty that you're doing these things but if you don't know at the time you don't know if, if, if that's, that's right if, if you know if that's the best that you can do that's what you do you know but yeah. as, as, as you know better then then perhaps you start to try because the, you know without hope 
to move forward, it becomes hard. Whether yeah. you whether you're doing it through drugs and alcohol or whether you're doing it through seeing a GP for proper assessment and medication, you need to have yeah. hope, right? Absolutely. I think one of the things that I think is important for listeners is you know a lot of my hopelessness came at that time was from a financial point of view. Yeah. So I, I knew that I wanted to, to have a better life. I I didn't run away from home just to be a jerk. Like, you know, I yeah. ran away from home because I thought I could do better at life from what yeah. I was seeing at home and what I was being taught at home. Yeah. And so I was like, no, no, I can I can do better than this. Like I'm 15, but I already know yeah. better than these people that are raising me. And so, but the thing is a lot of my, my distress and a lot of my hopelessness came when, you know, you're working full time, you haven't got an education and you're just paying the rent you have yeah. your basic food yeah. and you've got, you know, a, a few bucks left over. So you and feel I like you're like, slowly well, sinking, man? Yeah. And the thing is like, well, well, you know, to see someone, to see a counsellor, mm. you know, can be anywhere from $120 up to $250, $250 an hour. For someone that is yeah. not in a good financial situation, you may as well be asking them to buy a Ferrari. And yeah, so, yeah, okay. you know, but, but you do have $50 left over and that'll get you a card and a beer and some cheap, you know, passion pop yeah. and you're sorted, you know, yeah. right? And so I think, and that was, I think to me, a, a huge contributor to me not being able to move forward was just feeling that access to support yes. was something that you needed money for. And the thing is, uh, good know, point, good point, you know, the thing is, I think for listeners to, to realize is that if you are in that situation, places like Relationships Australia, you know, they they will charge you depending on your, your income. Yes. And if you have if right. you <clears throat> got enough money, that might be 10 bucks, that might be 20 bucks, and it's accessible. And the other thing is, you know, if you are stuck and, you, and money is a problem, that your local library, walk into your local library, go to the self-help section and, you know, whatever you're dealing with, millions and millions and millions of people are dealing with it right now. Yes, I've yes. dealt with it before you. Yes. Before. You're not a mystery. Yeah, you're not, you're not one alone. Yes. You're yes. not alone. You're not one in a million. There's, yeah. You know, there's all of us are struggling and, and go and pick up a book at your local library. And if you haven't got, can't get a card for any reason, sit there and read it in the library, but feed your brain that information and get yourself that support through that book. You know? So when, when did that happen then? When, how, when, when you transformed from drugs and alcohol to, oh, there are other supports out there, you know, and what, what brought you to that realization? I think it was to my, I was waiting to go to a movie or something with the, some friends and I went into the bookstore next door just to kill some time. Mm. It was a second, secondhand bookstore, never been into a bookstore and, and I walked past this book and it was, it's a famous one. I can't remember the title of it now, but I think it was Never Worry Again or mm. How to Never Worry Again. And I, I picked it up. And I read the back of it yeah. and it was everything that was happening to me, you know, I was, and, and it described just my, my existence and my existence was one consistent worry, you know, where am I going? How am I going to get yes. there? Negative yes. beliefs about myself, you know, yes. Um, yes. All, all this stuff. And I thought, man, like, God, there's people that feel that way, like me. Yeah. And, you know, as silly as that sounds. Yeah, it was it was a huge comfort to see there was a whole book yes. about what I was experiencing. Yes, and I took it home, and that was my my first kind of insight into into books, and that yeah, that there are there's a world of resources in them, you know. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting uh, to think of that sliding door situation if if you hadn't walked into that book, you know, that bookshop. And that's the kind of thing that we need to help our listeners to know that there are alternative to you know the situation you look hard enough yeah and sometimes it feels like there isn't sometimes it feels like it's just so hard like what you're saying you know you probably were looking for a therapist or something and then you found out it costs you know two million dollars to see them you know yeah you just given up yeah i feel like we're very fortunate in australia that there are a lot of services out there even lifeline you know you you can call lifeline 24 7 and it's a free service. It's a very useful 
service for when you're really, really in, in the depth of your despair and you have nobody to talk to, right? Yeah. Have you ever used Love One? Because you know, I've used it a few times, you know, and uh, as well as being a, a telephone counselor for Lifeline for about five years myself. So I've been on both ends. I, I think it's a fantastic service. Yeah, no, I've, I've not used uh, Lifeline before, no, but, uh, you know, they do a great job because I was always aware that, that they were there. So, yeah, no, no, I, I haven't used them before. Just going back to the, that book, it was, it was just looked it up now. It's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Of Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, yeah. lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of you know, and since then, as you know, we've we've had our fair share of of trials and triumphs since then, as as parents and as even through COVID as business people. And but yeah, you know, I think one of one of the things that, that these books these resources can give you they literally are like tools you know like if you were going to build a house or you were going to well i don't want to say go to war but like you know go to war yeah you would you want to make sure that you've got the right equipment yes for the job you know and the thing is you know when you are down and hopeless you think yeah but what's the point like there's always going to be something there's always going to be a storm why should i get up if i'm just going to get knocked down again why should yes. I get up? And and so you, it's almost it's like, what's the point? But the yeah. thing is like... And it's hard, isn't it? It's well, it's hard. Point. It's hard. It's extremely difficult. And I think one of the misconceptions is that you think, you think that every storm that comes along in life is, is just going to knock the, the shit out of you and that you're just going to have to keep getting up from scratch and that yeah. you know it, it just seems so overwhelming that yes. all the, the wide variety of possibilities of things that could go wrong but what i found is that for me through this reading of these self-help books and things is that what you need are the are, are some of the basics in your toolkit yeah, you know okay. in your emotional toolkit and yes and and these books provide those basics those tools yes. and the thing is once you have the tools then really, you know, whether you're building a house or going to war, same, same. You know, you only need a handful of tools to make it work, you know. And so life becomes less scary because you come to a place where you're like, well, if this was to happen or that was to happen, I've got my toolbox. I know exactly what to do. I'm self-sufficient. I can get out. And, And that's when life starts to change because rather than life dictating you and you kind of trying to just kind of weather the storm, you suddenly yeah. turn it around and say, oh, shit, i got, I got some tools here. Not only can I deal with what life's throwing at me, but yeah. maybe I can build my own thing. Maybe I can build my own life yeah. the way I want it. Yeah. Um, and toolbox beget tools, right? So you, you, you collect more and more tools in that toolbox, right? Exactly. You only get better, you know, you, you ha- say you build a house, so to speak, and it gets knocked down. Well, you just build it quicker the next time it gets knocked down yeah. until you refine the process. And yeah, yeah what used yeah. to trouble you years yeah. ago doesn't trouble you so much now. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's perfect what you're saying there, because a lot of times we try to control life, but life doesn't work like that, right? Life continues to throw things at you, whether it's good things or bad things, it continues to throw things at you. And the only thing that we can do is build our toolbox, right? Build yeah. our resilience and perseverance and how, how we can manage it when, when life gets quite painful, you know, uh, sometimes. But another thing we, we need to remember, uh, Rafa, this is my experience anyways. The Chinese has a saying, right? There is no banquet that doesn't end. Right. Yeah. Right. Because for the Chinese, everything's about food. So there is no bank. Yeah, that's some good food too. <laughs> and what it says is, there no good times last. You know, things are always changing. But people are forgetting something else. Also, that's also saying, no bad times last. Yeah. You know, so if you persevere, if you persevere long enough, and if you if you can manage it every day, then things will get better. Yeah, but also remember when things are good, yeah, enjoy it, appreciate it, because because it, it, it will not stay this good all the time, right? Yeah, I like to say it may not stay that good all the time because not everything goes to shit. There are some consistently good things. Yeah, um, I, I think what we do, I guess, I guess that's a good point again, man. What we do with our toolbox is we try to 
minimize the possibility of things getting to the same low as yeah. before, right? Unless obviously catastrophe like freaking COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's something totally out of your toolbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but even then, you know, like when the world went uh, the way it did and all businesses shut down and suddenly yes. income becomes dry and yes. no one can work and I'm so grateful for all the difficulties I've, I've gone through in my life. Right. It takes, it takes a lot to rattle me now. You know? Yes. Like when that happened, I was, I was like, oh, no money, no income. Yeah. Um, okay. Business has gone to have, have lost everything. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. I know what to do. And yeah, it, literally, okay. it okay. literally was just like that. Like, oh, I, I know I've been here before and I, yes. I'm an expert at this. From yes. Going from zero to 100, yeah, I, I know how to do this. And so, yeah. whereas for other people, you probably have, you probably, yes, yes, that's right. So, in fact, you probably have an advantage over others because you have gone through the difficult times before, right? That's exactly right. But, and I've found so many times in my life that all that, you know, this childhood running away from home and all the things I went through there, I, I pull on the on the lessons and the strengths yes. that I gained from overcoming yes. that, you yes. know, and now now many times in my life, people will turn to me and be like, Raf, how did you do that? Raf, yes. how did you come up with that? How yes. did you go through with that? And to me, it was just a walk in the park compared to the other adversities I've gone through in my life. So. Yeah. They really set me up for uh, for being able to ask more of life and to dream bigger and yeah. and to put myself through yeah. more because because I can take it, you know. It's, it's interesting you saying that because I noticed that a lot of times the older generations they handle COVID so much better, you know. Uh, I talked to my parents about COVID and my mom just coughed, you know. She goes, "I've seen bodies floating through the river." Yeah. <laughs> 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 what's, what's this COVID you're talking about, you know? What's a little killer flu, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to some other people, they're like, what, what, are you, what are you worried about? You know, like in, in our days in the Great Depression, you know, there was no TV, there's no, there's no internet to entertain yourself at home, there's no food, and we said, well, what's this COVID? <laughs> you, yeah. you got internet and you can, you, you get into a lockdown and you all go crazy. <laughs> this, is, this is it, this is exactly right. So, you know, I think for people that are down and out, that's the key is, is keeping, imagine the best possible version of yourself, imagine the best best possible situation for that you would like to be in and then start to fight for that you know and start to fight for that with whatever resources you have available to you and i don't think there's anyone that can't walk into a library and go into their self-help section and, and start yeah. their journey there you yeah. know and you might say to yourself well what you know how's a self-help book going to get me a job how's it going to get me out of debt how's it going to get me off the drugs Start there. Start by educating your mind because the, those tools, those things you learn, they're the things that are going to help you get out of the, all those situations. Do you think that is our greatest enemy tends to be our own negative perception of life? You know, like what you're saying, you wanted to go into, into self, but yeah, there's always something in, your, in the back of your mind that says, how is this going to help? You know, this is useless. This is bullshit. This is, you know, uh, why, why, am I lying to myself? You know, it's something that we must find we must dig deep to make that effort, don't we? To you know, and, and and make sure it's one step at a time and just do it. Would you agree or not? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think I think you know, people people often get hung up with the result. I think you know, I think yes. yes, you know, they like you know, say someone wants to become an actor. Let's just say, for example, mm. right? Mm. And uh, and what they get hung up on is well. What are the chances of that happening? Yeah. As if that's gonna happen. Who yes. am I? And God, where am I gonna get the cause? And who's gonna yeah. how many auditions? And and you know, it seems yeah. possible. I should get out of that. And the way I started to look at life now is it's not really about the result. It's yes. it's about the experience. Yes. Like we're all we're all heading towards this thing called death. Yes. Right? Yes. We're all gonna leave at some point. Yes. So there's all this time between now. And the day we leave this earth. Yes. It, and it's like, it's whether we achieve getting to Hollywood or becoming an actor or not, yes. it's not the point. It's all the experiences, the yes. quality of life. 
that you have along the way, whether you get there or not. Let's say you turn out to be 80 years old and you never became an actor. But, you know, you were surrounded by people that love acting while you were doing your acting courses, you know. You Mm. were auditioning and you got little plays here and there and and you you enjoyed getting together with other acting friends and and practicing together and making your own films. All of that. Yeah, the journey. You spending that time on something that you love yes. Yes. is not time wasted. Yes. It's a gift. It's beautiful. It's, you've yeah. lived your life according to your rules, according to what you enjoy, yes. what feeds your soul. You know that, what I mean? That's what, just like John Lennon says is one of, in one of his songs, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's that too. And so to me, it's not about if you've got, you know, when those negative thoughts come in, yes, will I make it? Won't I make it? Am I dreaming too much? Yes. No, like if the process is going to fill your days and it's going to get you out of bed and make yeah. you feel good, it's worth doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think regardless uh, of the result. Just like what your hero and my hero, Jordan Peterson said, all you have to do is be slightly better than yesterday, right? Always yeah. be slightly better than yesterday. Don't worry about the end goal. And don't worry about anyone else around you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But also, um, I, I keep saying to people, a lot of times we get anxious. It's because anxiety is future focus. You know, mm. we are so worried about what we're going to be. We are worried about our parents aging. We're worried about my son's school fee. We worry about our health. And, and that's anxiety. It's all about future focus. And while we're doing all that worrying, mm. life passes. And you don't get yeah. to enjoy that, that, that split second when the future becomes the past. When you're talking about that person that wanted to be an actor, you know, the choice is you want to be 80 and look back and say, yes, I've experienced all these things you know, with all these my, my acting friends, like you said. Or am I going to be saying, oh, man, I'm 80 and I, did, I didn't become an actor and I'm, I'm a failure and not actually remember that he or she probably had a full life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, and and the, the biggest, I think the biggest thing is, is regret. You know, you could also be that 80 year old that looks back and says, well, you know, I ended up, I don't know, an accountant or a lawyer and I've got X amount of houses and a stash of money in my bank account. But yeah, I, what the hell did I do with my whole life? I wish I'd have taken that acting class. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you, you don't you want to be what? that person either. You know one of my um, one of my big regrets in life, right? Tell me, I know this story, but I, it's definitely <laughs> a good one. I used to want to be a a musician, right? Even now, I, I dream of basking on the street with my son. And I have a friend. He was not as good as me in keyboards, but he was pretty good. And and he said when we were finishing university, he said, "I'm going to spend a year trying to be a." professional music. I'm going to give him my best shot for a year, yeah. you know? And he did. He did. He gave it his best shot. You know, got to the, to the stage where he uh, he performed with Ziggy Marley, Bob Marley's son, you know? Hey. And, and at the end of the year, he goes, nah, couldn't do it. Just too hard. Too many too many great musos out there. There's not enough yeah. money to be made. But, but the moral of the story for me is I always envy him because he did give it his shot. You know, he, he found out. He gave it a try. Whereas I never know. I would never know where I you know, whether I would have been a professional musician or not, you know. And so the best I can do nowadays is to go to karaoke at night uh, on a Friday and uh, sing badly. (laughs) 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 Hey, but you're you're still working with what you've got, right? (laughs) Well, that's not working. (laughs) Singing singing my sorrows over. (laughs) I'm not becoming a real musician. You know, so... uh, All right, look, I I noticed that you are looking at your watch a little bit. Is there anything else you want to say to our audience as a summary of, you know, what you've learned, you know, with, with life? That's putting me on the spot there. <laughs> I was only looking at my watch. I didn't want to take up too much of your time. Oh, no, um, no, no. I'm, I'm happy to turn this into a two-episode thing. So I'm oh, happy to, you know, uh, to continue shooting the breeze. I'm, look, I got, a, I got a large coffee and extra hot, so <laughs> I still got about another half hour or hour, whatever you need in me. But um, Okay, looking, I, I, I got a jumbo. I got a jumbo. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, now look, you know, I think one of the things, if I could, if I could sum up a good technique to get by in this life is that you, you've got to have some crazy goal, some crazy goal, something that really lights your, lights a fire inside you, you know, something that really burns, like it's the ultimate dream for you. You know, it doesn't matter how realistic or unrealistic it is, but you've got to have something and then you've got to get up, you've got to decide that you're going to give it a good crack. You're going to give it, go all the way. Especially if you're at rock bottom, there is such a gift in reaching rock bottom, I think. And I've been rock bottom so many times yeah. that I've, I, I now recognize it as the best gift in the sense that it tells you a few things. One, it tells you that everything you were doing up to that point was yeah. not for you. That was right. not the right path. Otherwise, you would not have crumbled into have finding yes. yourself at rock bottom. Yes. The second thing is when you're at rock bottom, you've got a blank slate. You've got an opportunity yeah. to rebuild any which way or direction that you like. You know, if everything has crumbled, you've lost your job, you don't know, mate, whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, you've got, a, you've got an opportunity to rebuild and start from scratch, you know, and you can re literally reinvent yourself. And, you know, to, to people that know me well, they know that this is Raphael version, I don't know, 20.0 or something. It's, it's, <laughs> I've been so many different versions of myself in my life. And each time I've had to pick up and rebuild with the knowledge of I, I take what was good from the last version and rebuild and try and make a better model. And so, you know, I think coming back to my point is that you've got to have a goal that inspires you, that lights a fire inside you so that you can have something that motivates you through all the adversities that life will throw at yeah. you. Because if you're just going for a mediocre goal or a kind of this will do goal, Yes. Then as soon as you come up against any resistance, yes. then you're going to drop the ball because you, you're not that invested into it. But when, there's, when you find that thing that is just like, you know, before I go, before I leave this earth, this is what I want to do or this is what I want to achieve or this is uh, what I'd like to give or, or leave behind. If you yeah. can find that, then it's going to, it's going to make life worthwhile. And, and that doesn't have to be, you know, I want to, be an astronaut. It doesn't have. To, it doesn't have to be these grandiose things. It, it can be something as simple as like, before I leave, I want to make sure I I leave a house for my kids, or yeah. before I leave, I want to make sure that I've, you know, had enough time for my, you know, reserved an hour of, of time for my children. Whatever it is, as long as it's something yeah. that you currently don't have, but absolutely yes. want to have and and must have and. Yes. Would, would really put you in a, in a very good place. Like, would make you happy, would make life worthwhile. Yes. So you, you've got to have something. In other like words, that. you're creating hope, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I think the bigger the dream, the better, because otherwise it doesn't light a fire under you, does it? Like, if yeah. it, it's, it doesn't doesn't cause yes. that sense yeah. of urgency. There's to no spark, right? Yeah. There's no spark. Like, yeah. at the moment, I know that we've touched on this briefly, but, you know, I've got a, a few, few projects up mostly myself and and one of them is i guess you call it a, an organization it's going to be called not a monster and basically for me it's a very ambitious goal and it's going to require me going back to study it's going to require a lot of work and i see it as a 10 year to 20 year plan right. but it's having grown up in a household full of domestic violence it's something i i really believe in and what not a monster is about is attacking the problem of domestic violence from a different angle, right. which is approaching it from a point where we now start to open up the space for men yeah. who have found themselves getting too angry or finding themselves yeah. uh, overwhelmed with their emotions or yeah. have even gone and crossed that line and raised yes. their hand at a woman. Yes. Or a woman raised their hand at a man. Yes. And opening up that space where you say, look, it's safe to come here. Yes. And get some help and yes. get some information. Yes. You know. Because these um, people, uh, would, they would be scared of being judged and, and rightfully so. Because a lot of times 
we tend to judge that, you know, he is a monster. She is a monster for hitting, you know? Yeah, well exactly. done, man. Well done. To me, just like, you know, we all have our ongoing trials and tribulations that life gives us, but yeah. But to me, that that gets me up every morning. And, you know, being a father of three, yeah. two daughters and one son, yeah. this is my contribution to their lives, you know? Yeah. This is my contribution to their world that, that I, that I want to leave behind. And it's ambitious. It's huge. And it's controversial. And it's going to be difficult. Yeah. And it's going to present a lot of, it's going to be a lot of things to overcome. But yeah. Yeah. I believe in it so strongly enough that, that I can't not do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to stick with this topic a little bit because, you know, a lot of times, like what you're saying, if people have not learned the best way to cope with stress, if all they can see is their mom or their dad bashing somebody as a, an expression of their disagreement, as an expression of their conflict resolution, some people jokingly call aggressive. I think it was, uh, oh, it was Anakin Skywalker. He was asked by <laughs> his wife, Padme. And Anakin says, oh, you know, we ended up having an uh, aggressive conference or something like that. She, uh, yeah, conversation. She was, uh, uh, aggressive networking or uh, aggressive meeting or something. She goes, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's it's a meeting with lightsabers, you know. So <laughs> so, so if, if you have not learned any other way, yes, yes, you may be at fault for being physically violent or beautiful but this is something that we need to give that person the opportunity to learn the other way right and at the moment there is very little of that opportunity to to learn and that's why a lot of these guys tend to shun they feel like they they can't reach out you know so it would be like it would be like depression anxiety 20 30 years ago where you don't know where to reach out and this is where the stage of these people are now is how do i reach out like how do i get help how do i how do I learn to be better? That's exactly right. And, you know, the thing is at the moment, you, you know, speaking up and coming forward may mean arrest, you know, for you. might mean uh, getting in trouble with the police. It right. could mean losing a job. It could mean, right. you know, being shunned by society, by your family, by your friends, you know. Yes. And so there are not a lot of options. And what I hope and what I envision for Not A Monster is to have just as many signs up on on buses and advertisements, you know, because right now you see a lot, and rightfully so, you see a lot of advertisements um, for the victims reaching out for the victims reaching out yes. to women uh, yes. who don't, may not know want to go or where to go or who are too scared to leave home or feel like yes. they have no options and are, are trusting that yes. you know the, the domestically violent environment and you know. And what I'd like to do is is to balance that out and and attack the problem from a different Mm. angle and just as strongly and just as importantly Mm. reaching out to those men and giving them an opportunity to rehabilitate Mm. and to make sure that that sort of behavior not only stops with that person, but then isn't isn't passed down generationally through the children. Yes, yes, yes. This is a long, long long-term thing. And, And the other thing, sorry to interrupt you, is, is Clement, is the thing is, at the moment, the way society looks at domestic violence is we only hear, let me just pull this up for a second. You know, like at the moment, there's 100, they reckon, the UN reckons that there's 137 women across the world are killed every day by a partner. Right. Right. And they're the kind of facts that are going out into the media at the moment. It's like domestic violence equals partner that is murdered, death. But what is not being picked up, or I don't believe is being strongly pushed out there, is that just like anything else, there's different gradients, there's different levels of domestic violence. There's the ultimate domestic violence that leads to death. Yes. But what about that guy that raises his hand and slaps his woman? Yeah. Like, why don't we catch him out straight away, nice and early, yeah. And give him a place to go so that that doesn't escalate. Yeah. Right. That doesn't escalate. Yeah. You know, that person, that man or woman that is the perpetrator of the violence will, will be going through their own emotional turmoil, through their mm-hmm. own inability to kind of cope with mm-hmm. what they've done. And that, that can just be a self fulfilling prophecy where they spiral into worse behavior or worse ways of coping with what they've done. Yeah. So, you know, my idea, or not for you know, the, or this organization, I'm not a monster, 
is to be able to, to give these men the tools, give these men the education, the opportunity to rehabilitate before it escalates to being a statistic. You, you know what time. is the most important thing that your organization will be able to provide, right? What's I've that? seen these programs before, but they are mandated by court for people who has offended, you know? And I've dealt with a lot of the people that they are mandated by court. So, and a lot of times, they're not ready. When you are not ready and you're being told to do something, it's not going to be effective because they, they, they don't know if there is an issue. This, this is an issue. It's like people who's doing coke, you know, and, and can still control it and still be able to live a successful life. They don't think it's a problem until it becomes a, a real problem. So what you're saying with your program is for men, when they're ready, they themselves can call you. They themselves on you because they now they're starting to go. Oh, I see. There is something yeah. wrong with the way I'm dealing with situations. Yeah, and this is what I said to a lot of my clients. You know, when come back when you're ready, because I could see that you know, you 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 just here because your wife told you to, or you just here right. because you just here because the police told you to. I need anger management. Obviously, right. from our conversations, because you keep blaming everybody else but yourself, you're not ready for it. Come back when you're ready. You know, but what you're saying is you're providing a service. These people can come to you when they know, oh my goodness, I need to work on myself. And they would hmm. be so much more effective. You know, your, your success rate will be so high compared to a lot of the things that I've seen and dealt with nowadays because they are mandated either by the courts or by, by the family telling them, you know, or, or by, by the wife saying, if you don't do this, I, I will divorce you and, and you will not be able to see your kids again. So they right. begrudgingly, they begrudgingly, they go to whatever the service is. And of course, they're not, they're not going to be ready for it. You know, so That's what, right. what you're talking about, man, it's, it's amazing. And hopefully it will give another way out for a lot of this young refs out there or young young ladies out there who because domestic violence doesn't necessarily have to be physical violence you know ladies are quite capable exactly. of becoming domestically violent as well you know with, withholding finance you know that's right with, with verbal abuse verbal abuse you know yeah okay yeah. wow so right. i think yeah so I, I guess my point being you know that i mean that's a that's a very big idea and that's a very big a, a reason for me to strive and, and something that makes my life worthwhile yeah. And and the point, you know, how we got onto this was to say that, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that people need to find is is their reason. And it doesn't have to be as big as what I've done. It can it can be as small as your local community, it can be as small as wanting something for your child or for your parents or yes. for your brother or sister or, or even just for yourself. You know, as long it could be look, I'm determined to learn Spanish or Japanese and and, and I'm gonna be you know, if that drives you, if that's something that you want, yeah. then make put that at the forefront of your mind so that when you do get up in the morning, you know why you're getting up. Yeah, no, that's lovely, yeah. man. What's your plan for the rest of your day? <laughs> Today, I'll, I'll probably get a copy of this audio and start editing it down to about uh, 10 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you edit a one and a half hour conversation into 10 minutes, it's not editing, it's called censorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've already signed all that, but I haven't. No, no, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And I think it's wonderful what you're doing for men and just with your new website as well. I just want to interrupt you first. It, you know, you you help catapult me into my mission. Before I was just happily traveling along in life, just doing me without a real, you know, mission. And so this thing where creating a resource for men has always been in the back of my mind. As, as you know, we talked about this quite often. Yeah. And now... It's helped me with a lot of encouragement from you, which I'm very, very grateful for to move on. And I'm getting this real zest in life. Although like the text message I sent you yesterday, geez, for somebody who's semi-retired, I feel like I'm working a lot more than, <laughs> than when I was working 50 hour weeks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thank you for whether you know it or not. You are quite an inspiration to me, you know? Thank you, Clements. I appreciate that. Likewise, my friend. And I'm, I'm glad I was a part of, of, of this process of you finding your mission. And I just know you're going to do amazing, man. You're doing great. 
Well, the fact that you uh, you are in uh, one of my interviews, that's already helping me move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just remember me when you're, you're famous and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> hanging, out, hanging out with Jordan Peterson. I somehow don't think building a resource for men will get me any fame, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to be touching a lot of lives, man. And that's well, what it's you know, about. But also, um, with, with regard to yours, right? First of all, I need you to uh, copyright that name, first and foremost, because that's a great name, Thank not you. a monster. <laughs> but also yeah. with that, I'll be very happy to help you any which way I can, right? Thank um, you, sir. What, what do the young people call it on Instagram nowadays? To collab. Collab. I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know what the heck that was. I had to ask my 12-year-old son, what is collab? Because, <laughs> Papa, collaborate, collaborate. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll, we'll have to definitely do that. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, we'll have to catch up for real uh, after the lockdown. Eh? Yes, we'll do. Stay safe. Thank you, Clem. All right, no worries. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. That was Rafael Sanchez, listeners. I have summarized the strategies he mentioned in the discussion. These are, number one, to expose yourself to more people so you can learn alternative ways of approaching life that can be healthier and more productive than what you are doing now. Number two, when things are bleak, deal with it one day at a time. Number three, to identify what you can control. Number four, to occupy your time with things that can help propel you forward, such as reading, exercising, and talking to a friend. Number five, to have a crazy goal that really motivates you to create hope for a better future. Also, to imagine the best possible version of yourself and start the fight to become that. Number six, to research where or how you can get support because support may not be as expensive as or as scarce as you think. He recommended also a book titled How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. Number seven, to fill your life skill toolbox bit by bit so that future hardships will become less scary and more manageable. Number eight, to not focus so much on your end goal that you are not appreciating the present. Number nine, when you hit rock bottom, it is actually a gift that shows that what you're doing up to that point is not for you. And it is also an opportunity as a clean slate to rebuild any direction that you like. To learn more about Ref's Latin Dance School, go to godance.com.au. To hear more podcasts or read blogs that I've written, go to clementjaya.com. It's C-L-E-M-E-N-T-D-J-A-J-A. Thank you for listening to this program, and I hope you find it useful or at the very least entertaining. Until next time.